welcome back to episode two of my podcast and um unfortunately my i reached out to my monk friend to be on the podcast and he declined so you know it's okay for for whatever reason <coughs> people have their reasons for not wanting to do something and he's he's involved he's in his monk mode so um I, I totally understand that and I've um, I'm not I've, I haven't always been the most like reliable person in terms of making people feel safe um, in terms of you know like being the kind of person that will just um, say anything and like anything goes in terms of what someone may say so there could be a an aspect of um him not want me, want, wanting me to you know talk about things that may make him feel uncomfortable but i i told him i will keep it you know very like specific in terms of like giving listeners a insight into the life of a monk in uh, in Thailand as a foreigner but you know it, it also it could be just that the fact that he he's uh busy and doesn't want to associate himself too much with things on the internet which i totally understand so sorry about that um i have i have another friend uh but he's not close to me so i'll make it happen one way or the other i have couple friends who are still monks so I'm sure someone will be willing to do it and I can also give you guys my um, my own experiences as being a monk but for now I don't really want to <laughs> it's uh, I'm at a point in my life where I'm I'm trying to go forward and um, looking back into my like previous experiences too much kind of like makes me um takes me out of the present so that's where i'm at today i've just been um training muay thai and it's it's pretty it's pretty enjoyable it's it's challenging but i'm i'm gaining a lot out of the experience because as i kind of mix mix my um, meditation interests with the the Muay Thai I'm kind of in my own way processing it all and developing my own ideology um, approach to to life Muay Thai is quite a violent uh, sport quite a violent martial arts you can really hurt someone but in the in the confines of the ring and as a sport it's you know unless you're having a real fight it's no one's getting that hurt i've i know a few guys who've gotten injured but that happens in any sport right so um people wear you know gear uh, protective wear pads so it's it's awesome it's not for everyone but 
I do feel a, a sense of um, when you start Muay Thai at, in the initial period you'll start to feel this sense of uh, confidence right off the bat I would say because you instantly feel like you can fight <laughs> and whatever this means in terms of being a human being this this gives you a false sense of security and you, you kind of feel like a badass like oh I can defend myself I can I could probably beat anyone up here and say what you may about you know how stupid that is like macho male attitude but there is something to to to, to feeling like you you know if something were to go down you can you can defend yourself you can hold your own but that kind of like wears away after a while it's because the false sense of security you just feel like a badass because you're like in the in the um, you're 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 training and you're sparring with guys who have been fighters for a long time and you feel like yeah <laughs> I'm one of them now but that kind of fades away as soon as soon as you spar with someone who is like way better than you and is maybe not being as nice to you as other people have not making you feel as good about your boxing as other people you'll quickly realize that you suck at least in my experience and I there's a lot there's a long way to go but after you know, I've been doing it a year now, maybe a little bit, yeah, about a year, and I, f I feel like I'm, I'm not like so bad, but I'm, I'm definitely not good, but I'm like, you know, I can, I can handle my own, I can spar, the last three or four sparrings, I, I would say I was like pretty even with the, the opponent, so no one's just like getting the best of me every time, which is, is cool, so it's a it's a cool new sport that I'm learning and um I'm trying to inter interwind this with my whole meditation shtick and it's so far nothing is glaringly obvious about like how I want to implement these things into um my work or or like working with kids but I, I really feel that I'm from Philadelphia and it's a rough city in the US people are people have an edge definitely um, you know it's like famous for the if you, if you know this about the Philadelphia sports fans they famously boo their own we boo our own teams we booed Santa Claus so that's symbolic for how the city is it just it's a rough bunch a working class town and there's some really rough parts there's some really nice parts but there's some really messed up areas where I would say there's a lot of poverty a lot of drugs and you know this culture creates a sense of fear among people people 
you know, there's more good people than bad people everywhere. I believe that. But when there's an overall sense of violence lingering in the air, it creates a sense of fear. And I always hated that. I always hated that. And I mean, so I, I think that in a place like Philadelphia, if there's a, a place or a center or a person that can teach kids how to defend themselves, but also what's important, I, I believe that it can be extremely helpful. And I was realizing this, I realized this before, but what stood out to me was when my, the, and no, no criticism of him because he's an older man, older Thai guy, my, the, the, the owner of my gym, he was doing this self-defense course. And there was this uh, martial arts school that came as a group from Australia. And there was kids with them. And he was teaching, like, it was mostly girls in this course. Um, and there was some kids, and he was, like, kind of... The things he was teaching were just, like... It was, like, basic self-defense. But there's there's nothing... There was no spirituality. There was no, like, soul involved. And he was just saying things like, you know, you take your key... You stick the key in the eyeball and then you go up. And it was just, it was so violent, right? But he didn't, I mean, obviously he's not like advocating violence or something like that, but just the way that he was saying it was just to, like, it wasn't, it wasn't gonna, it, wasn't, it won't work in the US. It won't like work with kids. They can't just be like, Okay, so if a guy attacks you, you grab your key and stick it in their eyeball. It's, there's got to be more, um, you know, last, worst case scenario, this is what you do if you're attacked. But this is how you remain aware. This is how you, this is how you don't let fear take over you if you feel like you're in a, in a dangerous situation. You, this is how you remain calm. You check for the exits, you check the, or the, how many people are there, and you, you weigh your options. Like Things like this, helping people to, to think about problems instead of just react to them. And that's, that's what, how I realized that I can kind of like get a lane here is I'm not trying to become a boxer. I don't want to be a boxer. I'm not trying to be like uh the best boxer i it's just like i'm loving learning about this and so and therefore I, I don't feel comfortable or qualified to to teach like muay thai to to someone who's trying to be a boxer or like get in that world like mma world or something I would never pretend to be, but after this year of training, I think that I may be at least good enough to be able to teach kids who don't know, who have never boxed before, definitely can, can teach the basics, 
which I can use, which can be self-defense. And then mix that in with meditation, mindfulness, and create a program, which I really believe would be helpful for kids. And I, I kind of um, believe this out of my own subjective experience as an ki American kid who would have benefited a lot from knowing Muay Thai and also knowing how to meditate. So these are two things that I've learned from Asia, from Thailand, which I think would be extremely useful and even profitable if put into a program in the States. So that's what I'm thinking about. Um, and um, other than that, it's uh, life abroad can can have its ups and downs. It really can. A lot of people, a lot of people begin their their journey when they first come to, let's say, uh, Asia. Um, it's it's a completely foreign world. Everything is different from what you know back home, and so that's exhilarating at first. That's everything is captivating. Everything is like it makes you feel like this is why I'm living because to see these new things beautiful places amazing culture different ideas different smells tastes sounds it's all different and unique and this is amazing at first and then after a few years it starts to shape you and change you because you no longer can touch base with that place you were before. Like you remember where you're from and who you are, but your brain, you have expanded. Your, your soul has expanded. And if you've been away for as long as I have, you go through this process like it's like first you feel amazed and in love with life because you're seeing everything new then you start to feel homesick maybe you go home and then when you go home you feel shocked because you have a culture shock in your own country and that's a hard one that's really that was really tough for me so then I went back to Asia and then you start to experience other things you're like okay let me try to try this you feel a bit more familiar with everything, more comfortable. Uh, it's easier to travel to new places because you've done it before. And then there's this period where kind of where I'm at is like, I don't really know where my home is, but yet I'm, I feel confident and comfortable that wherever I am, and wherever I go, I'll be okay. But I'm, I don't know what I want from life yet, but I know what I don't want.
And I think a lot of people, maybe here too, yeah, I mean, I guess everywhere, but I think a lot of people, they don't even know what they don't want. They think they want things that they actually don't want, that it's like really doesn't bring you happiness, but they, they still are pursuing these things. But we all have to make a living. We all have to be, have enough to be okay. So, where to go from here? If you think about your life, it's not that long. So, and it's not that short. So, the people that you love, these are the most important, these connections. And we can't love everyone. In theory, we can love everyone. We can aim, we can try to be kind and respectful to everyone we meet. This is a good person. But we actually don't have enough space and time to love everyone. We can love our family and a few other people. And um, a lot of times people come, on, come, into the, come to the conundrum of relationships, friendships, which you may love someone with all your heart, but the compatibility, life pressures, work, lifestyle may not make it possible for you to live with that person or be with that person. And this is when people get to the point of, should I stay or should I go? Should I... Some people choose to hold on to the people they love, but that relationship or that friendship becomes toxic and instead of letting go which is actually the ultimate action of love because if holding on to someone is only going to make you and them hurt it's actually not love this is just attachment and fear but if you love someone and you walk away and that breaks your heart but you do that because you know that in the end it will help them and it will benefit them and you this may be actually true love and I, I understand the, the paradox the how These, these may seem like polar opposites. And there's always going to be a doubt. That's Buddha always talked about uh, the biggest poison in the world is, is not alcohol or something like this. But, or money, is doubt. Doubt in the human mind 
causes so much suffering and a lot of people just go through their whole life <laughs> generally confused about what they're doing, who they are, and where they're going. If you think about that, or think about the people you know, I, I guarantee you a lot of people you know, you know and have known you you would probably say they they're pretty confused about more than three things now a big thing i've noticed in the west is um like americans really don't know themselves and i i think this is a a symptom of just a country that is so mixed so diverse and so young and under so much stress there's always a military conflict we're always at war people are on edge and it's there's not really this there's tensions everywhere there's not a strong sense of this is who we are like it, when you're in Thailand like you know there's there's difference in ethnicities a little bit but like Chinese ethnic Thai and Thai Thai but like for the most part it's like Thai is Thai and peop like people just know that, that this is who I am this is my culture and it's like been that way for generations whereas in the US you know it's 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 rare to meet people who have just been in one city for two or three generations people are always moving we're just a land of immigrants, which makes things creative, makes things exciting, and that's something to be said, but people don't know themselves, I would say, and um, this causes a lot of suffering, especially in the youth. Um, people are desperate to to cling to something which makes them feel like proud of who they are and um, people people may say like Americans are so proud they're so prideful but I, I think this is a people perceive this as like bravado but you know loud being loud is, is not pride this this is like just an inflated ego that actually feels quite inadequate. Obviously, these are generalizations. Um, I got lost in a tangent, but I guess this podcast is just my own tangents, right? There's no, I really have no structure or narrative yesterday I kind of built up a storyline <clears throat> and set a context for for this podcast but I'm kind of just gonna go with go with the wind here and just see see where my mind goes I have an idea for the kinds of things I want to talk about and share but it's just gonna it's gonna it's gonna flow off the tongue like this I 
was thinking about this whole, I mean, I guess in society, we people have always, you know, desired celebrity to be famous. And, and as I was a kid, I did too. I wanted to be Michael Jordan. I wanted to be famous and have all the beautiful girls and all the money in the world and all the talent in the world and everybody to, you know, look up to me. That's been the dream or the... Uh, the, the story that has been put in my mind since I was, I, I can remember, like, really young. But the thing is, I realized this a few years ago. Actually, I realized this, yeah, a few years ago. That's never been my dream. So, it's really weird. Like, what is that? Is that indoctrination? Is it brainwashing? And in a way, it is, it's brainwashing. Societies like our cultures, we don't even realize that we're subscribing to ideas that may be like completely stupid, that may be completely full of illusion, delusion and grandeur and psychotic hatred for human beings. But we, we subscribe to it because that's just what we think we... we that's, that's what we know. And our parents may be like really good and well-intentioned and our parents could be saints, you know, but they're still in their parents taught them something that was indoctrination. It's just the way it is. This is human nature. And so this uh, this idea of celebrity has been planted in me, I remember since I was young, from from TV, from school, from people just learning of like what we value as human beings is is celebrity and fame, attention. Yet as a kid, deep down I wanted this. But I was never comfortable in the spotlight. I, I was so shy and, you know, I like severely shy, almost to the point of, you know, if I, had to sp if I had to stand up and speak in front of a group, I was freaking out. I mean, my heart is beating. I, could, I was freaking out. And now I, I don't feel like that. I think... I'm not sure if I'd be shy. No, I'm not not really that uncomfortable with that, I don't think. That's, a, that's another thing to talk about. Is I feel like I don't have a normal sense of fear anymore. That's another strange thing I'll get into later, but I used to feel so scared and so shy. But actually, what I realized recently is if I were to if I were to be like given the the opportunity like if you could if you could make it if you could present it as a choice not that these things are really ever a choice but if you could I I think that I would probably reject being like famous 
because I just know enough about the human ego to know that it will be a fun ride for 30 minutes. I'm sorry. <laughs> It'll be a fun ride for an hour, two hours, for 20 years, 10 years, five years. But that ride will just come crashing down because the attention will leave. It will go to someone else. And uh, it, it's like a void that will never be filled. I think everyone knows this deep down. We know that this this like desire for, for fame and celebrity and attention is just an empty vacuum. But yet we, we still live our lives as if it's going to bring us happiness. But I kind of know that it's, it won't. And it doesn't. Of course, I would like to be rich. Because who wants to do something they don't want to do? But, and that's another thing that I don't understand is when people get super rich, like super, super rich, it seems like they don't, most people just don't give a fuck. Like they just, they're just rich and they're doing their thing, but it'd be so easy to start some organization that helps people. I mean, I see like Will Smith's son and, you know, Bill Gates does a lot of charity, but it'd be just like so easy to just say, hey, I want to do this for this, this, this group of people and put my name on it. You guys do all the work, organize it, and let's make something happen. And you'd have the money to fund all of that. And I, I don't know, I just, people are different, you know, but I just don't understand like how you can become super, super rich and just live in your own bubble and Maybe it's maybe it's the fact that I've seen seen different things different parts of the world where there's real poverty. I, I think when you see true poverty, it stays with you forever. It will change you. Especially when you travel. Like there's poverty in America, but I would rather be poor in the U, like super poor in the U.S. than in Cambodia or Myanmar or Africa because there's no safety net. There's no one giving you change, you know, by by city hall. It's there's disease, <laughs> there's hunger, so it's completely different, but. In the U.S., we just live in this this bubble of security where I, I think people are actually not really that poor, but they feel poor. Now, people are poor. I mean, there's there are hungry people, people who have really hard lives in the U.S., but a lot of people may consider themselves poor or we may consider them poor, but actually, if you look at the actual place that they live, the things that they have, the food that they're eating, they're doing pretty well. 
I mean, it, in my life here in in Thailand, like if you look where I live and the and the the lifestyle that I live, I'm living under the means of most poor people in America. But I don't feel poor. I feel like I'm just living the way I want to live. Simple. I'm living simply. And uh, people aren't used to living simple in the U.S. Like, people will consider like, oh, I don't have, I can't even afford my cable bill. It's like, why is it so? <laughs> you can't afford your cable bill, so you can't afford to watch TV all day. It's like, good. Read a book. You can get a book for free. And so, it's like this is this. These are the things that are, I'm worried about when I go back to the states. Is feeling constantly annoyed by the privileges of other people that have no understanding of the way out the the real world, which is not the first world. With that being said, this is kind of the reason I want to go back is because. I've been I've been away for so long that it's like, well, if I do have the, I do want to live in the first world. I, I want to live in America, and I see that now as a privilege, as a luxury to be able to have a passport, to be able to live in the U.S. and work there, and take part in all of the, the, the amenities. <laughs> of being in the U.S. is I feel lucky and that I want to want to do that so that's just me, me being honest but uh, yeah I'm, I'm not this uh, I'm not super like I used to be angry at at the my, my country and that's kind of like the the liberal the the default liberal stance to take is just like to hate the government to hate the anti-corporation but now that I'm a bit older and as I said I've traveled the world I see that it's just it's such a naive perspective to take because like all of the, the all of the yelling and the protesting and the demanding you know if let's say if I were in charge of one of these like Antifa groups or something and I became like we got the power what are we gonna do like it's just such a complicated thing to run a country and an economy and military and it's so complicated there's so many things to deal with that it's just not as simple as people make it out to be and if it's you can paint the America as the bad guy, which it is, but we we live in a world where we're not that where we evolved, but not that evolved. Meaning, we have these amazing technologies. We've built these amazing things, accomplished great feats, went to space, but yet we're still just like violent monkeys now with these incredible toys so it's just it's 
the way of the world. God, do I feel old? Do I sound old? I don't feel old. So let's see, what time is it? This has been almost 40 minutes. So I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap up the podcast here. And um, just a reminder to everyone, um, take control of your, your life and instead of trying to find your passion or what you really want to do, find out what you don't want and then you may feel really... Do- sad or depressed and then you may realize that what you don't want you actually want (laughs) and then when you want it and you go after it you may not want it anymore (laughs) does it make sense when you find out instead of looking for what you want want find out what you don't want and then when you accept that you may f- you may find that the thing that you don't want you actually really want and then you should go after that and you may find out later that you've been chasing that thing that feeling that level for two years three years and then you may realize that you don't want it anymore And then you may try to find something else that you want. Are you guys picking up on a theme? The things that we want only make us want more. And by wanting more, we suffer more. So if we look at things of what actually do we not want, this helps us create uh, some clarity in our mind. But it's so tricky because when we do this, I guarantee you, you may have never thought about it like this, but when you decide the things that you don't want and you put them away, you'll realize that you actually want them. (laughs) So that's it for today. Thank you for listening. And... uh, have everyone have a great day. Look forward to talking with you soon.